Uh, welcome to our Camera Matter Anglican Church podcast. We call it Camera Matters because Camera Matter matters. Now, um, I'm Will, and I'm one of the pastors at Camera Matter Anglican Church, and thank you for tuning in. So, uh, in our podcast, we our aim is really to edify and um, our our congregation, and also to be able to engage with some of the questions that were raised on Sunday. So, how we're going to do it is that we're going to have um, Every week, the pastors will just discuss the passage um, that we're going to be speaking on on Sunday. And then we're also going to be answering some of the questions that were raised on the previous Sundays. And we might even add some further reflection on what was spoken about uh, and, and just, just to dig in deeper into God's Word. So we, we pray and we hope that this would be encouraging for you. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, please... Remember to subscribe uh, to the podcast, either on YouTube or by liking us uh, on Facebook. Uh, our, our page is Kappa Anglican Church. Or, and, and join our English congregation on Facebook um, if you haven't already joined. You can find us at Facebook on you know Kappa Anglican Church English Congregation. So I just want to welcome uh, the, other, the other pastors. So Rob. Uh, so hello, Rob. Hello. And Hien. Hello. Yep. So, um, how about we change the view to Tao view, <laughs> and yep. then I'll I'll get started with a prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can um, hear from you in your Word, and we thank you for Sunday that just passed, and we heard about your heart for the nations. Uh, Father, we ask that. As we continue to think about your purpose for the world, help us, Lord, to be involved, um, to join in um, with your plans for the world in seeking and saving the lost. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, today we're going to look at um, 1 Chronicles 17. 17. Yeah, 1 to 15. I'll, I'll read uh, this. Are you going to put it on the screen, Rob? Yes. We'll uh, right Chronicles. Now. Here we go. When David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, It is not you who will build me a house to dwell in, for I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up Israel to this day. I have gone from tent to tent and from dwelling to dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pastures, from following the sheep, to be prince of my people Israel. And I have been with you whenever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you, for you a name, the name like, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place and be, be disturbed no more. And violent men shall waste them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will subdue all your enemies 
Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise you up, up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before him, you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So we've been in our um, mission series. We This is a four-part series. Uh, first two is looking at the Old Testament. The latter two will be looking at the New Testament, and that's coming up later this year. So we've just had our first one um, just this past week on Genesis 12. This is our second one. Uh, Hien, can you share a bit about um, why uh, we're in this passage and some reflections that you have um, got mission from here? We're in this passage because we want to look at um, the covenant made to David. Um, God uh, is um, promising David um, a, a house or uh, a throne that will last forever, a kingdom that will be established mm. And so uh, looking into context uh, with that, with uh, how it follows on from last week is that God's been working uh, to restore humanity himself. Uh, God promises Abraham to make him his name great, make his, him to a nation. And it was through the, uh, God's plan through Abraham to establish a kingdom uh, somehow and drawing people from all nations uh, to this kingdom to be blessed. Uh, so, yeah, just thinking through um, what this passage means in, in that context. Mm. And uh, David wants to build God a house. Uh, and we've got to remember uh, a house for God or the tabernacle of God is in a sense um, acknowledging uh, the rule of God in the midst of his people. Uh, and so dwelling was that simple. And uh, it was also a place where uh, worship happened. So, so people of the nation would come to the dwelling place, the tent, mm. to worship God, uh, to be in His presence and, and to acknowledge uh, His rule over their lives. Uh, and that was one of the problems with the people before Abram. Uh, and that's why um, yeah, God wanted to reestablish that. And that is sort of happening because uh, we see it in... In David, he, he has a desire to put God's kingship or God's throne in the midst of his people. Um, and he wanted to build a permanent structure to symbolize that. But um, God says to him, you know, it's good that you've done, you wanted to do this. It's good that you intend to do this for me. Um, but you won't build me a house. You know, God says, I will build your house. And so that sort of brings back the theme again that, you know, regardless of what we want to do or regardless of our efforts, it's not us that is building um, this kingdom. It is God that's building this kingdom. And so when, when God says to David, you know, I will build your house, it's not, he's not saying, there's a, there's, a play, there's a play on words, I think. <laughs> there's a play on words where, where you know, David says, I, will build, I want to build you a, a house 
which is the physical temple, and God says, "No, I'm going to build you a dynasty or a line or a kingship. I will build you a house, um, and in this house, you know, it will be my kingdom." Yeah, that's what I'm thinking through at the moment. Um, can you point me to like just some key parts here uh, where you know some of that's like. Um, yeah, so you mentioned like building a house versus building a kingdom, all that sort of stuff. Can you point me to a few key parts here just to show me? Um, I think verse uh, 10, God says uh, to David, you know, I haven't lived in the tent or from the time of all the other leaders of people of Israel, the judges. From that time, he hasn't lived in the tent. So before they hasn't lived, lived in, a, in a permanent dwelling. And then in verse 10, at the end, he says, I, moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. So the Lord is God, uh, Yahweh, will build you a house. I yeah, think and, what I find interesting is um, how straight away in the, in the next thing that, that's said in verse 11, it's like, okay, I'll build you a house, verse 10. And then verse 11, you know, when you... When your days are fulfilled, so I think it's another way of saying when you, after you've finished living and you're dead, I'll raise your offspring after you and I'll establish his kingdom. Mm. <laughs> right? So it's not like he, he changes the, the terminology from, from house to kingdom and it seems like he's equating that idea. Mm. Is, that, is, that what you, is that kind of... Yeah, yeah. He's equating the idea of house and kingdom. Um, and then verse 12 sort of goes on a bit further, right? Yeah. Um, he's saying, David's descendant or offspring, he shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. So if you sort of read into that a little bit more, um, I think <laughs> that sort of points to a, a, a future a future a descendant of David, an offspring, Um Someone who, when the word forever is what gets stuck out, because if you think of Solomon, uh, who was David's son after him, uh, he died. Mm. But this is, I'll establish his throne forever. It's sort of saying, okay, there's another offspring uh, somewhere down the track that uh, his throne will last forever. His kingdom or his house will last forever. And and, and we've got to think further down that track. And just cheating a bit, <laughs> if we look in Paul's writing <laughs> in Galatians, I think it is, uh, it sort of mentions that. And in Galatia, Galatians 3 or 4 of, or, um, or Romans, or in, in Paul's thought that um, God says that you know, through Abraham's seed or offspring, and so that's sort of same terminology, uh, through his offspring there'll be a, you know, <laughs> a kingdom, or a, a, a strand that will last forever. Um, and he points that to Christ. So that's cheating now. <laughs> but that's something to put in the back of our heads. That, you know, yeah. He's talking about something future. And a clue you get is in verse 13. Hey, It says, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I think God wants relationship uh, there for the people of God, but also points to the actual or the real relationship that's happening in, in, in a future person who is going to be his son. Yeah. Now, how do you think that relates um, 
to God's heart for, for, the, for the nations? Um, I think in this uh, passage, it doesn't say uh, that, but uh, we see in the life of Solomon, David's son after him, who, who, who actually builds God's the temple. And yep. in the building of the temple, uh, he prays a prayer. Uh, and in the prayer that he prays, that um, the building that he, the temple that he's building, or the house of God that he's building, um, will be a house that all people, like not just the people of Israel, will, will come to and worship God, but all people um, will come. And so that's God's heart for the nation: is that not just um, the people of Israel, but every nation come and worship Him in the central place yeah. of worship. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of can see that, um, you know, after the temple was built and during Solomon's reign, actually, uh, you know, the Queen of Sheba, she's from like another nation and she comes and visits. And when she sees how much God has blessed his people, um, she praises God and she acknowledges God. Um, and so I guess that that could be an example of, of um, his you know, name. what you've been saying, that, that God's name will be made great mm. in, among the nations. Mm. And I'll, I'll be, yeah, um, I'm really kind of sort of anticipating and, and excited to hear like how that then relates um, to us as God's people, um, as God's you know part of God's kingdom. Mm. How, how does that work out for us? And I think we'll we'll save that uh, for <laughs> for Sunday, um, and and maybe in the second part of this of, of of your series. But yeah, thanks thanks for sharing that with us, Ian. And I hope. Uh, you know, for those who are listening as well, uh, this this would kind of whet your appetite uh, for for this Sunday sermon. I think what I want to encourage you to do is to read uh, these these passages. So you know, one Chronicles seventeen, um, and maybe even one Kings eight and nine, and that that would kind of help us to be thinking about um, you know the passages that that Hien will be preaching on. And please also do pray for him uh, as he prepares. And so yeah. Rob, why don't you pray, and then we'll move on to the to the question time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you're the same yesterday, uh, today, and forever. We thank you, Father, that you're a God who makes promises to your people, and you keep them. And we thank you, Father, that we, uh, I guess, have the Lord Jesus, uh, whom you have uh, given to us, uh, who lives and reigns, and is continuing to um, bring people uh, into your kingdom. And we thank you for the promises you made to David uh, and how you've brought them to fruition uh, in Christ. And we pray that as we, your servants now, um, seek to serve you and to share the good news of Jesus, may you enable us to do this. Uh, please keep empowering us by your spirit uh, to keep sharing the good news. And we pray that your kingdom will continue to grow and that you may use our efforts uh, to further uh, that work. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that, Ian. It's all right. You know, so, something just on reflection again, and and like bouncing off um, Rob's prayer, like I I really um, appreciate how you talked about how you know God's gonna build His kingdom, He's gonna build His His house, um, and so it's God who does it, and then God, but then God chooses to use His people to do it for Him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so it's through through using His people that God builds His house. Um, it's not like our own initiative, but God will build it anyway, and, he, and and we get to take part in it. And I think that's the exciting thing. 
right? Because in a sense, it's like our endeavor is underwritten by God. <laughs> yeah. so that's a good. Think. That's a good idea. There, we all might use that example. <laughs> underwritten. Yeah. Yeah. But, it just occurred to me as well that I know we finished talking about the the Bible part, but now that um, I prayed about it, I was just thinking, oh, actually, it's quite freeing and quite liberating that actually it's God who's building His kingdom, and yes, we we are like in the New Testament, we're described as His co-workers. Um, we participate in the work. We're not the ones who like are the ones who do all the work. It's it's God. He's building His kingdom, His word, His spirit. Um, and we partake in it. Yeah. Yeah. So like for me, that, that just gives me a lot of comfort <laughs> and a lot of reassurance because I look at myself and I'm like, oh, I'm so weak. Um, yeah. Yeah. We can't do this alone. And at the end of the day, it, actually, it's it's God who's in control and he's in his kingdom. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. So um, we've got the questions, questions. here. And uh, these were some of the questions that we weren't able to get to. Uh, so really, really thank you for sending the questions in. Um, and we hope to, yeah, be able to, I guess, start thinking about them. Because, um, you know, the questions just came in yesterday. <laughs> and so ho hopefully this would start the discussion. Um, and if you have further questions, uh, feel free to text them in um, or, or email us. Uh, yeah, so the, the number, um, the text number would be displayed. Okay, so it's there somewhere, but I don't remember it. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so the first question, um, this is about mission. So we know how in the, in the sermon we're talking about uh, you know, the core, for, for, like we are called to be sent. So we all take part in God's, in God's work, um, in building God's kingdom. Uh, but this is specifically about, about mission. So I think this person is thinking about overseas mission or interstate mission, like not local mission. And and this person said, what do I do if I feel called for mission, but it is not financially viable? And I think as a related subset to that question, what do I do if I feel called for mission, but my partner doesn't want to? Yeah, so the partner, let's let's break it down into two, two um, possibilities. So let's assume the partner is Christian um, and so one possibility is the partner is, is currently like a boyfriend or a girlfriend relationship. And then the other one is like, you're married to them. So husband or wife relationship. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably different considerations there. Um, yeah. So any thoughts? Shall we go one at a time? Cause yep, we can go one yeah, at a time. so I think the, so what I do if I feel called to go on mission, but financially it's not viable. Uh, I think there's a couple of things there. So firstly, there's, um, I, I broke down into three things. So firstly, there's assumptions there. Uh, secondly, we can talk about gospel partnership. And then thirdly, we can talk about next steps, like things that we can actually do now. So firstly, with assumptions, um, first, I just want to say, I, I don't know what situation this person's in, mm. but uh, I can confidently say that there's always another way. There's always another way. So um, for example, um, there's true stories of people that I know that you know, have sold all their possessions and then they go <laughs> like it, people actually do that. They've, they, they might have a mortgage. They might have like own a home, own heaps of things. And they, they feel so compelled to go somewhere like on mission that they sell all those things 
and then just they go um so i think sometimes we get we get into a frame of mind of thinking oh we can't do it mm. or this is we're stuck i would just gently encourage this person to uh to actually tackle that tackle that assumption and see whether actually if is that true because there's, there's always another way if this person is in debt in debt then yes i'd say well maybe the next best thing would be to work and to pay off the debt um and then after that work out the next step um so i'll just say yeah assumptions there's probably some assumptions here um they may or may not actually be true so just question them and work on them uh, second thing is you're not in this alone so there's partnership uh, the picture we're given in the bible is we're all partners in the gospel and a missionary doesn't just go and just do everything themselves and raise all the support themselves and uh, fund themselves like sure there's probably a handful of people who who have done that and again i, I can hit, think of one or two people who've just gone to a country by themselves and just made do and just started gospel work in that way but by and large like there are mission agencies um missionaries are supported by people not necessarily agencies like it's people saying yes like we believe in the gospel we believe in the, these people we believe in setting them aside to do this work so we will support them and give to them and yeah there's plenty of examples both in the bible and of people real life people now who are like that so you're not in this alone uh, you don't have to raise all the support for yourself there are people um, who will help and that's the picture we're given um, partnership in the gospel so the last thing that i would suggest is was like some next steps now would be uh, firstly mission isn't just confined to overseas it's also here uh, we have a huge mission field in the Cabramatta parish um, and so one of the short-term steps could just be um, seeking to cross cultures now seeking to love people now seeking to share the gospel now uh, and to start preparing now because we don't want to just wait for like you know six to ten years before we then go on mission uh, we're on mission right now and so we can keep doing that now as we keep you know working out next steps towards if for example you want to go to cambodia one day that takes time to prepare for um but in the meantime yeah we can still share the gospel now keep praying hard keep sharing be, keep being creative yeah i think um i'd like to bounce off the idea of like do cross-cultural now um because you know, I think that that's that's an essential skill in in going on mission. Because when you're going on a mission, you're you're actually crossing cultures, and you can cross cultures in various levels, right? So so even talking to someone who's not Christian, you're already crossing a culture, even if they're like the same culture as you. Like, if I talk to an ABC who's who's not Christian, I'm crossing a small culture, like jump already. And then if I'm talking to someone else who's from a different country, um, then that's another culture jump. Um, and so I think it's important, right? Like if we, if we continue to, to work on sharing the gospel to different, all sorts of people, different walks of life, we're actually engaging in cross-cultural ministry. Um, and that would help us um, if we're thinking about going overseas because then we're crossing another, another culture jump as well. Uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, like I really agree with what you're saying there. Like let's just, get on with, with doing gospel work now and continue to pray and, um, you know, depend on God's plan and, and uh, for, for your future steps, for example. And even with the crossing cultures thing, I remember hearing way back, uh, even if we're speaking English, we're still translating 
from English to English. Like we're still crossing cultures, even though we're speaking English. Yeah. Like it, and so instantly this opens up possibilities. Like in the workplace, we all speak English, but you're still crossing a culture there. Like, yeah, the Christian to non-Christian gap. Um, just a different way of thinking, a different way of believing. Uh, sorry, different thoughts, different belief systems, et cetera, et cetera. That's all yeah. crossing culture. And that's super hard work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to add to um, on the prayer part. Mm. Um, I think if you want to go, um, you just need to pray and spend and dedicate a lot of time in prayer until you know some, something happens. Uh, and I think um, if we look at the, the how God calls Abraham, uh, he left everything. Like we don't know if he had money or not, or we don't know his wife wanted to go or not, uh, or. Um, but he just followed and obeyed God and God took care of the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of it, having no money, we just need to pray and pray and God will you know, come through with prov- either providing the money or providing someone to, to to support you or even helping you get a job so that you can pay off your debts if you had debts or getting your, getting your job um, so you can save up. And one more point, that last point, is that it takes time. If you look at Abraham, oh, no, no, sorry, if you look at the Moses' life, um, it took him 40 years to train up to be a, a person that God uses. In, in, in that 40 years, he, he learned to be a shepherd. He learned to, to navigate the land. He learned how to, um, you know, just to lead different people along different ways. And those were useful uh, skills uh, when God called him from the bush to lead Israel out of Egypt that's what he did for another 40 years <laughs> through the desert and so you know 40 years is a lifetime mm. uh, but you know it takes time mm. so um, don't rush into things or don't be not rush but don't be abrupt and rash mm. yeah. Uh, and just yeah yeah five, five years is not a huge amount in the grand scheme of like 40 years of the rest of your life yeah. Or 60 years you know if you're going to be on mission for the rest of your life which i hope is all of us um that's let's just say god willing another 60 years let's work out what the next you know three to five to ten years looks like in order to get there yeah. Yeah. okay should we move on to the next question yep so the what do i do if i feel called for mission but my partner doesn't want to uh so i think this one's a bit tricky um I was just thinking it depends on who the partner is. So especially from which, whose shoes are we looking at this from? So I think for me, the role of men and women come into play here. Um, so speaking, so yeah, like as we assumed earlier, speaking particularly to those um, who are either in a relationship or are married or married with kids. So uh, let's just say if you're the guy and the girl doesn't want to go on mission, that looks different to if you're the girl who wants to go on mission and the guy doesn't want to. So yeah, that, that's, that's where I intend to take it. Um, maybe I can go first and then you guys, oh. if you want to add it. Yeah. Okay. So I think if you're the guy and the girl doesn't want to go on mission, then to the guy, I would say now is an opportunity to lead, you know, to actually lead in the relationship, uh, to pave the way, to take the initiative. Um, not in such a way where you're bullying the other person to you know, come with you, but you know, as guys, we are created to you know, take responsibility to lead, to, sh- to guide, um, you know, to take that first step. And so I think um, if she doesn't want to go on mission, then yeah, for the guy, 
this is the time to you know work it out uh, work out the plan look at what um try to make it happen what needs to happen from now until that point where you go on mission uh, at the same time i want to hold to 1 peter 3 so 1 peter 3 um husbands you've got to be understanding and not harsh towards your wife um i'm extending that to not just mean husbands and wives like just even in a guy girl relationship i'd say yeah like be understanding of your girlfriend um you you want to be empathetic to her and not just you know bully her into following you um if at the end of the day she really cannot and will not you know go with you to uh, let's just say cambodia for mission then i think it means you got to work out and rethink together what mission looks like for you uh, as a couple or as a married couple um yeah, so for the if, for the guy, I'd say, yeah, lead the way, but also be understanding. Make her want to follow you um, and show her Christ um, and pray for her and pray for, pray for each other. Uh, so that's for the guy. Uh, I think if you're the girl and the guy doesn't want to go on mission, um, then this is tricky. Uh, I'd say you got to, um, we're given a picture for women to follow the lead uh, of the guy. Um, so particularly like in Ephesians, for example, wives, to submit to their husband uh, it doesn't mean obey them in everything because i think in the end you want to honor christ as well if they're clearly saying things for you to do that don't honor christ then i'd say yeah honor christ do what christ wants um, part of which involves submitting uh, to your husband's lead i think what you can do at that point though is still influence his decisions uh, you can still make suggestions uh, you can still you know slowly steer the relationship in a particular direction uh, and to also serve in whatever way that you can, you know, in whatever circumstances that you have. Um, mission, again, mission isn't just overseas. Um, we hopefully heard on, on Sunday that it's also in the home. Uh, it's also local. Um, you know, the the guy is part of the mission field as well. Um, family is part of the mission field as well. Making little disciples uh, is part of the mission field as well. So, yeah, you can follow his lead, influence his decisions, but also serve in whatever way that you can. And I think in both situations, in the end, it comes like the, a good general question to ask and reflect over. It's just how can I be godly uh, in this situation? Um, and yeah, that that's that's hard to answer, um, but that's a general question with a specific answer for for you, um, whoever's listening to work out personally. Yeah, sorry, that's me. Um, guys, anything to add? Well, I think. Um... You know, if you're if you're in like a dating situation, then there's an option to end it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that would be the last step, right? That would be the last step. Yeah. Uh, after you've done like you know, and what what Robert suggested in terms of leading the way, or you know, making suggestions and, and so on and praying and, and, and all that. And if it becomes clear to you that, yeah, you know, you, you think that this mission going on mission, whether it be overseas or somewhere else is, is really important. And it's something that you should do as, as, as a child of God. Um, then yeah, I think that the, the last, the last step would be if you're in a dating relationship, then you can, you can still end it and then, and then go. Yeah. Yeah. To be blunt. Yeah. What if what if you married? <laughs> well, yeah, if you're married then that's that's the situation and context that you've been given. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was going to say something before I forgot. Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, I think you have to, uh, in that kind of situation, uh, if your boyfriend or if your wife or husband or boyfriend doesn't want, girlfriend doesn't want to go, um, I think you've got to start to have uh, long conversations and, and talk through uh, uh, not wanting to, not, not only wanting to go, but what are some motives or the reasons why you're going. And then just sort through those through those things so sometimes you find that a lot of the motives or reasons are very selfish <laughs> mm. uh, and uh, if you can iron that out and then move your motives to be a godly motive then whatever like you know resistance you may have um, may quench or, or may <laughs> die out a little bit because if you align your motives with God God will act and God will move people mm. to be le- yeah, less negative about it yeah yeah and i think like you know short-term mission awareness trips um where you go and visit some like missionaries and so on overseas or whatever um those can help as well Mm. like as in as an idea of leading the way or an idea of suggesting something that you can do um so you can go and actually see what it's like talk to missionaries um, and so on and you can start supporting missionaries Mm. right and building a relationship with them. So if, if let's just keep using Cambodia, for example, like if, if you're, you know, you want to go to Cambodia, why don't you also link up with missionaries who are already in Cambodia and, and get to know them, talk to them, pray for them. Um, and also, yeah, talk to them about your desires for mission, um, and, and bring your partner along in, in supporting these missionaries that are already there on the field. And that way um, that may, that may either kind of like build the passion um, <laughs> and ignite something in, in the partner as well. Uh, yeah, so I think stuff like that, getting involved in these other ways uh, can be helpful. Do you reckon we should also talk just a really little bit about theological education? Sure. Yes. Yeah, so I was, I just... You're in a jumper. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, no. This is totally not a, a plug just, for college. Uh... It's not a plug for college. I'm just saying that uh, generally speaking, uh, so I, I didn't know this until I was at college, um, but if you want to go as a married couple, they would suggest that that's it's a prerequisite actually that the wife has gone through at least one year of theological education, and for the husband to have gone through at least three to four years. So that already changes the game a little bit. It, it means you got to get theological education. Um, that means investing um, three to four years uh, as a married couple at college. Uh, of which hopefully one year um, the wife um, has also gone like studied and gone through so that's just good to let people know nice and early that if you are like if you're like in your you know 20s early 20s and you you want at by the age of 30 to be on the mission field somewhere in the world then yeah we got to talk about theological education because it's not just as simple as packing your bags and going although you could do that um, but generally speaking yeah highly recommended that you go through college and join up with a mission agency mm. that just requires lots of conversations lots of prayer and lots yeah. of next steps cool all right on. Yep. next question is what if i feel guilty about not going on mission and what do i do if i'm in that space uh so did you do some thinking on that one yeah i got a little bit um Okay, so I got a little bit on like motivations um, and confidence. 
and then duty and delight. So I think for me, um, if, if I look at my own personal journey, there have definitely been times where I've been compelled by guilt uh, to serve uh, or to share the gospel. And I think to that, in that kind of space, it's, it's, it's just really difficult um, because I'm serving out of guilt. Uh, that can only you know, fill the tank for so long. That kind of motivation can only get me so far before I crash and burn. And that's exactly, that's what happened. Um, it, it took a lot of time and a lot of reshaping by God in my life um, to change my motivations from guilt to actually love. And I would say, I would go so far as to say it's actually, that's actually more biblical because in 2 Corinthians 5, for example, Paul, he says, you know, the, the love of Christ is what compels me uh, to go and to, you know, be an ambassador for Christ, to persuade people, to implore people. Um, that's what compels him. It's actually Christ's love. And if that's not where our heart is coming from uh, when we go on mission, then yeah, like let's let's have a conversation about that. Um, let's talk about that because yeah, it's a, it's a really hard space to be in if you're compelled by guilt to go on mission. That can only get you so far before something happens or like you reach a dead end. Um, so in terms of then, um, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Um, do you guys want to chime in or speak to that a bit? Yeah, so you mentioned uh, duty and delight. Uh, yeah. Would you say that then under the umbrella of love is duty and delight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think the best analogy I can use for this is marriage. Um, so this is not meant to exclude anyone who's not married, but just as a, it, it, just as a good illustration. Um, in a marriage, there's both at work. There's duty and delight. There are some days where it's delightful uh, to be married. It is wonderful. It's delightful to have kids. You know, that it's a joy, um, particularly you know, when the relationship is strong, when the kids are playing well with each other and you know, when you get a nice gift. You know, there are days where it's just it's really wonderful. But then there are days where there's duty as well. And I'd say that's most days actually as well because <laughs> got to wash the dishes, got to cook, got to change the nappies, uh, got to clean the house. I've got to take out the bins. You know, I don't, I don't enjoy doing those things naturally. Uh, it's my duty, I think, for me personally, my personal stance is that that's my role as the husband in the family to take the bins out. But some, some days I get delight out of it because I know that that is actually, um, it brings happiness, it brings peace <laughs> to the house. Um, it brings, yeah, so in that sense, yeah, duty comes first, I think usually, and then delight bounces off that. Do you mind if I throw in a curveball? Sure. How would you how would you respond to someone who says, "Oh, you know, you don't bring, you don't buy flowers for your for your wife," and and then say to her, "I I had to buy this for you. It was my duty to because you're my wife." <laughs> you know, you, you, to that that's not loving, right? Like to be no. loving, you, you you give him the flowers. Like it brings me great joy to be able to, you know, bring bring these flowers to you to see a smile on your face and that's, that's really delightful. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, so there's, so there's like that idea of, you know, it's not loving if it's duty. How would you, would you be able to respond to that? Uh, so I think, yeah, there are days where actually it is. So I think what I meant by having the two is there are a swing between them. So there are some days where actually look, it's not, it's not, it's not, <laughs> Uh, this is gonna go online. Um, <laughs> some days it's like a maybe you won't go so, online. So I know that I need to 
like random acts of love are really good uh, for our relationship. So in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's something I want to do all the time. So in a sense, it is a bit like a duty. But then by the time I do it, like, oh, when I buy flowers and I give them to Melo, I'm like, actually, this is really nice. Like, actually, it is a delight to be able to do this, to be, you know, to be able to do this. Um, I think to to the person who is feeling like it's duty all the time, I think that's a that's a tricky thing to work out. Uh, I think at that point, maybe there needs to be a bit of rekindling of the relationship of you know, remembering your first you know why you love each other why you care for each other and you know, introducing a bit more kind of delight back into the relationship yeah. yeah i think it just comes down like also from hearing what you're saying like if, if it's motivated by love um then then the the duty if it's like undergirded with love then it's still like a good thing in that sense like it's still beautiful to be able to say you know um i did this because i know that it is good for for you even though it doesn't even though it's it's like you know hard for me mm. and i think that that can also express like a great sense of love for for the other person mm. um yeah and and you know we're heading towards anzac day and I kind of think, you know, I wouldn't say, oh, these, those soldiers who went and fought in the, those wars, like they did go out of duty, hmm. right? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't like downgrade, downgrade it because I didn't delight in it, hmm. right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't respect them less. I, I, I really appreciate like that they did their duty. They did what they thought was right. Hmm. Um, and they self-sacrificially went for the good of others. Um, yeah so i i feel like i feel like yeah if if it's undergirded with love then that it's not necessarily like judy is not necessarily a bad thing mm. Yeah. Mm. and i always remember uh <laughs> ian's story um about about going prawning oh yeah <laughs> yeah What's he likes story? to go prawning and then come back and cook prawns oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just watch rita <laughs> eat four prawns and he brings him so much delight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's like if i was to go fishing look there are some parts i don't like like having to wake up early having to you know tie all the knots put the bait on etc that that part to me is like duty but the delight is when i catch the fish the delight is when i get to bring it home and i get to gloat a little and the delight is when i get to cook it and it's like oh such good fish fillets with you know flour and egg um just yeah flathead fillets oh they're the best pan fried that's a delight so it's i think it just it swings like a bit of bit of both i wouldn't say it's just one in exclusion of the other yeah yeah i think i want to add just uh just no, no, i've got to finish soon but um sometimes when you feel guilty uh it can feed the guilt feeds guilt and then and then it just spirals into a, a, a just devastating guilt feeling uh i think we've got to learn to stop that cycle but i think got to tell or oh, it's okay to feel guilty i'm gonna say yeah it's okay to feel guilty uh but remember that um don't let it let the guilt feed the guilt uh mm -hmm. so you feel guilty and then you feel guilty or about feeling guilty so just feed so just sort of try to break out of that feel why what you were saying is you know learn to enjoy learn to um 
trying to love the other person as much as you can. Mm. And so that sort of helps breaks that circuit of feeling guilt. And I think it's worth um, maybe digging into in, in a future podcast. Um, the, yeah, what is, what is your guilt telling you? Cause you've got guilt feelings. Mm. Right? Emotions. Um, and, and, and that tells you something about where your heart's at. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and there's, there's a difference. There's a dis- distinction that you need to make between guilt feelings and guilt as a thing. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know, if someone make, does a criminal offense, right. And then they go to court, right. They, they're pronounced guilty because they did the, the wrong thing. They, they sped, but they might not feel guilty about it. <laughs> right. Because that, and that, that shows where their hearts at. They have mm-hmm. this regard for the law, right. Um, or you might feel guilty about things where, where, where it's not wrong and <laughs> you feel guilty because it's something you, you just understand something wrong inside. Like you, you, you misinterpret things with, with your heart. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a distinction to be made between guilt and guilt feelings. Um, and, and I think if you apply, you know, overseas mission and guilt feelings, well, you know, it's not necessarily wrong right, that you're not going overseas for mission. Um, yeah, I can try. I think we can dis- yeah, we can discuss this Wait, further about we'll guilt and stuff, but yeah. we can end with Rob. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna chime in briefly. Like, I still feel like that desire and that, um, I don't want to use call, but just that urgency to keep sharing the gospel, and that irks me like, not irks, but like, sorry, that that pushes me all the time. And I think, particularly when I was at college, I didn't have. I was just, my time was, I don't know what happened to my time. It just happened, just everywhere. It was just spread thin. And I felt really guilty about not being able to share the gospel as much as I wanted to. And I think that that tells me something. Like, I, I th- in my head and my heart, I wanted to go and share the gospel. But reality was uh, that time was set aside for a few other things to work out. Um, and it's just a complex kind of space to be in. So yeah, deserves another podcast uh, to go through emotions, what they're telling you and how that's yep. all related to the gospel. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so I think we have to end it there. I know there's another question about Noah um, and I, we could probably either include it in Cabramatta, like Cabrafer, our newsletter um, as, a, as a post there uh, or we could you know, deal with it on, on like through direct message to Hayden. Thanks for asking that question. We didn't forget it. Um, it's a really good question, yeah. um, but then I guess this podcast is getting a bit long, yeah. <laughs> so we'll probably need to end it there. Yeah. For the uh, record, so- we have got answers. We have thought about it, um, yep. and yeah, we do want to let you know and answer the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, for those who are listening, thanks, thanks for listening in. Um, if you have further questions for follow up, please do send them in. Uh, you can email us comms c-o-m-m-s at cabra.church uh, or just comment um, also please subscribe if this is on youtube then click subscribe otherwise like our uh, church page government anglican church and also um, if you're not part of our congregation group page yet then please join it too so thank you and hopefully see you next time and please tune into our live stream sundays 11 a.m see you see ya <laughs> Thank you.